going to start in 2 Corinthians. And I just want to look today at a few people that impressed the Lord, that pleased God. Um, there's a lot of people out there that uh, they're convinced in their own mind that what they're doing is pleasing to God. And yet we look at the scriptures, we'll see that that, that isn't quite the case. And I'm sure many of us, maybe in our old religions, felt like we were making God happy. And what we were doing is what he wanted us to do. And then we heard the gospel, and maybe it felt like the rug had been pulled out from under our feet. But um, yeah, praise the Lord. We, we taught what we were doing was right. I read a little story the other day. Sometimes you hear, or you hear little stories, they make you think. And it was about this little boy, and he asked his father, he said, uh, uh, Daddy, how much an hour do you make at work? And the father was uh, kind of a bit cranky, said it's a very inappropriate question to ask me. But anyway, I make whatever, $50 an hour. And um, half an hour later, the little fella says, uh, can I borrow $30, Dad? And he said, no, what would you want $30 for? Off, off with you kind of thing. And then he felt a little bit bad, and he went up to the son's room, and he said, look, I feel bad. Here, I'll give you the $30 you want, but what do you want it for? And the young fella kind of pulled back his pillow, took out another 20, and he said, well, now I have 50, and I can buy an hour of your time. And um, I suppose it's, an, it's kind of like an old principle story where the dad, I'm sure, was working very, very hard, wanting to provide and give his son everything that he, he could, maybe materialistic, but it wasn't what the son wanted. And um, we'll, what we're going to look at today is where we've got to really look to the scriptures. Uh, Walk in the Spirit has come out uh, Friday night and examine ourselves and, and, and ask ourselves, is what we're doing what the Lord wants us to do? Because we can so easily get distracted, even in a very meaning well way. Um, I had a couple stayed with us once, and uh, they were talking about this book. They read, it was very interesting, about the five languages of love. And they explained one little thing. It was interesting, it made sense uh, when it was explained. Um, so he said, well, tell us how it works then. And uh, he said, well, when I come home from work, he said, uh, what I do... I think one of the languages which he said, this is my language, is I like to sit and spend time with my wife. To me, that's, I can't remember what that was called. Whereas she is somebody who feels by serving, or if somebody was to serve her and do lots of things for her, that's what she sees as love. Whereas he sees, spend time with me. So when he'd come home, she'd make herself busy to sort stuff out and get the dinner for the family. And he just wanted to sit with her. So what he was seeing is, he didn't receive that as love but she thought she was giving love. And sometimes what you do for somebody, you think you're giving them what they want. But sometimes you gotta, you got to really, I suppose, zone in. And again, today we're looking at how we serve the Lord. Is what we give him what he's asked us for? Um, last little story. Sorry, Linda. My exam. <laughs> uh, I, told, I told this story, I think it's a few years ago, but I, I know I've used it as an example. But I wasn't very good at school. It wasn't, no, it wasn't that I wasn't very good at school. I didn't apply myself and put the time in and I couldn't concentrate and yeah. But, um, one time I did and, uh, I really studied for this exam and I've definitely told this story before. I really studied for this exam and I sat down and I read the question and I was just full of information and everything I'd studied and, passionate about the, I think it was history, the subject, and I got stuck into writing, and I flew through the exam, 
put it in and felt really good in myself. And when I got the results, it wasn't a very good result. And I was a little bit shocked because I knew I'd really put my all into it. For once, for the first time in my life, I knew I studied hard for that and I know I did really well. So I felt like I've got to go and see the teacher. There's something's not right here. And, um, and I told her and she said, well, she said, you didn't, re you didn't read the question correctly. That wasn't what we were looking for. What you wrote was very good, but it wasn't what we were looking for. And folks, that's the, really the crux of the talk. People that impressed Jesus and impressed the Lord because they did things that that's what he was looking for. Whereas others felt like they were doing things and it wasn't what he was, wanted them to do at all. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 18, for it says, For not he that commended himself is approved, but whom the Lord commended. A great little scripture. Quite a, quite a, quite a strong scripture, I suppose, in many ways, and it says so much. The word commended is introduce or approve. And what it's saying is, it's not the person who introduces themselves or approves themselves that's commended. It's who the Lord commended. That, who the Lord says, that's the one. He says, Mark, the perfect man. And it's, we want to be somebody who the Lord says, that's my servant. That's, that's what I want you to be doing. Or that's how I want you to approach me. Um, if those new people here today, you know, a lot of the questions that might be in their mind is, well, who is God? What does he want from us? Uh, what is he looking for? What is his measure? What is his rule? And we'll have a little look at that today. What does he really want? In verse 12, and I'm sure we did this a lot before we came to the Lord. Um, you can read this whole chapter and maybe see what the subject is. I'm just taking out the principles here. Verse 12, he says, For we dare not to make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. And in the world, I know I did it, I compared myself to the people that were around me. And most of those people were people who commended themselves. God, they weren't God's people at all. And I thought, well, as long as I'm not worse than them, I'm okay. And, and what Paul is saying here is that isn't how you do it. That's not how you please God. You look around you and you think, well, I'm a little bit better than everybody else here, so I'm good. That ain't what the Lord is looking for at all. Um, and people, like I said, people in the world do it. Even the criminals. I I, I've robbed from people, but I would never rob from an old person or whatever they say. They have this way of justifying themselves, but um, not what the Lord is looking for. Isaiah 66, in Psalm, I'm going to quote a scripture, Psalm 147, verse 10 and 11. It says, He delighted not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him or respect him. Uh, in those that hope in his mercy. And a lot of people are very strong in this world and they've achieved a lot. And he's saying the Lord doesn't take any pleasure in that strength or those achievements. He, he takes pleasure in them that fear him, respect him. If you respect God, he takes pleasure in that. He, he loves that. He, that impresses him. If that's what you do, if that's what we do, and with the Spirit, that's the path that we've really been set on. Is And by us coming to the Lord in the first place, there was a respect for the Word of God. And it's obviously got to continue, grow, develop. And uh, we've, you know, we live in a world where nobody has respect for anything. But having respect for the Lord and what He says, He loves that. That impresses Him. Um, and they hope in His mercy. 
we, we put our hope into him, our trust into him. Uh, if we're looking for an answer, it's him we're looking to. Uh, Isaiah 66, verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Uh, where is the house that ye build unto me and where is the place of my rest? For all those things had mine hand made and all those things have been, saith the Lord. Um, and there's a lot of people all around the world to, um, uh, that are doing a lot of things and building a lot of buildings. You know, the world is full of temples and synagogues and whatever, and they've built all sorts unto the Lord, and it doesn't do anything for him. He said, what, what are you trying to do for me? And people have put, there was a guy, I don't know if anyone sees uh, George Clark's Amazing Spaces. Anyone see that one where he went to Spain, and this guy uh, joined the priesthood at a young age, and he built this incredible temple out of recycled material. It was a it wasn't a temple, it was a fortress. There was rooms and it was unbelievable. And he, and he spent his whole life working on this. Um, never seen anything like it and, and no, no drawings, nothing. He just built it and added bits on and this thing was just incredible. And it wasn't just a building as big as this hall. It was probably half the size of the strand over there. And he was 90 something now or 80 something. He was still building and, but he was doing it for the Lord. And you couldn't help being impressed by what he'd done, but there was a, bit in your mind it said, God never asked you to do that. That's kind of not what the Lord's looking for. Building synagogues and temples. And, and he says it here, doesn't he? Um, but he says, in the second part of verse 2, we stop there halfway through. Um, but to this man, he says, will I look? So he says, and to look is to scan or to look intently at or to regard with pleasure. He said, this is the one I look at. Um, will I look even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and tremble it at my word? That word contrite means lame, broken, handicapped. People who recognize that they need God. They have a need for the Lord. Um, a lot of the Pharisees and all, they, they didn't think they needed God. And the richest man on this planet needs God. And that's what he said. He's, I think this came out last Wednesday about the contrite. Um, and tremble it at my word. That word tremble it means fearful or reverential. Again, respect. We're brought up in this society that respects nothing. Um, but you respect God. He said, that's what I'm looking for. I'm scanning for it. That's what really impresses him. Uh, verse 3. He that killeth an ox uh, is as if he slew a man. He that sacrificed a lamb as if he cut off a dog's neck. He that offered an oblation as if he offered swine's blood. He that burned an incense as if he blessed an idol. Yea, they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. And what he's saying is, they're doing all sorts of things for me. They think it's great. No, it doesn't do anything for me. And, um, yeah, that's, you know, it's the world, it's the natural man, the human side. In verse 4, I will also choose their delusions, and will bring their fears upon them, because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose and chose that in which I delighted not. They chose to do something which he never asked them to do or he didn't want them to do or he had no delight in. Um, did all sorts, but he didn't see it. They didn't do what he wanted them to do. Um, and they chose that in which I delighted not. Okay, we'll go to Luke 18. 
So what God wants and sometimes what we think he wants can be two completely different things. People for centuries have been giving God what they think he wants. And as you read there in verse 4, he's saying, look, completely, but what I've really asked you to do, you don't do. And that's, it's really important, folks, in the Lord that we, we, we give the Lord what he asks. We do what he wants. We sometimes, through the emotions and the circumstance and the opinion and whatever's going around, that we can get through it all and understand and realize exactly what God wants from us. Because that's where you find peace and joy and the fruit of the Spirit and the blessing of God. And God thinking, that's what I like. Pleased with us. And he's pleased with us. Because we know how to please him through the Spirit. Um, sometimes churches w- require people to do things that they've never been asked to do. You need to do this, you need to do that, and you have to do it like this. And sometimes you think, well, show me that in the Scriptures. And, and, and that's the world of religion. Luke 18, did I say Luke 18? I did. We know the Scripture. I think we read this recently. I know I've read it a few times recently. Uh, verse 9 of 18, And he spake this parable, uh, unto certain which trusted in themselves, that word trusted means convinced, right? They trusted in themselves that they were righteous. They're convinced that what they're doing is right. They're convinced of it. Um, I know, you know, when we go outreach and sometimes you talk to religious people, they are convinced of what they're doing is right. They're sure of it. There's no talking to them. Um, I don't think in the Lord you can ever be a person who's absolutely, you can be quite quite confident in what you're doing, but open always to, Lord, if there's a better way or or more productive, we're open-minded people to be shown and to be taught and to be led. Uh, we, ha- we haven't just been convinced, lock, stock and barrett, that's it, mind's made up. And he was convinced um, that they were righteous and they despised others. And that means to... Um, Despised, you know, it sounds like a very harsh word, but what it means is least esteemed or set at naught. We taught little of others. And we'll see the story explains it. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Um, straight away in society, one is a bit of a holy man and the other fellow is a you know, bad person. Straight away in society, they're pigeonholed. Uh, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortionists, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. And he was probably right. He wasn't. He said in verse 12, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off uh, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than uh, the other, for everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. He said, I'll lift him up the humble. And to a lot of people, this back then, the Pharisees, this would have blown their mind, because the first guy looks like the real deal, and, uh, and he does all these good things, but he looks down on others, and, he, and it says he despises them. and um, Maybe he's not giving what the Lord what the Lord wants. Humility. There's a few key words in the Bible. Humility and mercy and all these things where the Lord, these are the principles we build our lives on. And maybe this fellow was void of these things and uh, just filled with maybe self-righteousness, as the scripture says. Um, 
folks, we can never lose our humility. Sometimes we can tick our own boxes. I've done that, 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 that. God will be happy. And just think about the key words in the Bible. That's what he's looking for. Respect, humility, obedience. You know, not to be high-minded. You'd be, you'd be better taking the lower seat and God will lift you up. And the, the parables tell us that as well. Um, if you're perfect already, then there's nothing the Lord can do with you. Maybe this is how this fellow felt. And the Lord resists the proud. Luke 21, the Lord was impressed with that guy. He said, I'm telling you now, that fellow is more justified than the other one. People who impressed God, impressed the Lord. Look at what they did. And it's a, it's principle. It, it, it's so many, you can build your walk on principles. Luke 21, verse 1. And he looked up and saw the rich men uh, casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in hither two mites. And he said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow had cast in more than they all. Uh, for all they have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her penury uh, had cast in all the living that she had. And, and he wasn't really saying anything bad about the people who did cast in a lot. But she, he, she caught his eye again. And maybe even if we're not going to look at this in monetary terms, she gave everything that she had. You know what I mean? If, if you're worth 10 million, it's easy to throw 10 grand into the, you know what I mean? And into what does he call it? The treasury. You know what I mean? And it looks amazing. Wow. That guy's just put 10 grand in there. And there are Pentecostal churches. We two girls. What was it Whitney? What was the other girl, Yana? Whitney and, funny, wasn't it? Cleopatra. Whitney and Cleopatra. But they went to one of these Pentecost meetings and the bag was going around. And do you want the blessing, the 50 euro blessing? And there was incredible pressure and it kept on and on. It was all about how much you put in. And the Lord doesn't look at that. And, and what he's looking, we look at the principle, we're not talking about money here, but the principle was she gave everything she had. Sometimes it's easy to give, you know. Oh, well, I'll give, I'll give that because I have that. You know what I mean? But uh, she, gave, she gave it all, 100%. Um, sometimes others count. It's great when we don't count, isn't it? We just think, yeah, I'll just, I'll just give what I have. I'll, I'll give all that I can. I'll do my best in this situation. If I'm going to help, I'll just help with, with all my energy and all my uh, time or whatever I've got. Um, it's a principle, isn't it? And the Lord saw it. And again, he's pointing out this one. This is what impresses me. You know, she, she's given it all. Um, talented people. Sometimes people can be incredibly talented. And for them... They only have to move a finger and what, what they give looks amazing. And sometimes somebody isn't and they, you know, they're, they're hardly able to put, you know, whatever, two things together. But for them, it's a massive deal. Again, it's the principle. They're giving the best they can. Um, in Luke, it says, for unto whosoever or whomsoever much is given, of him much shall be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him will they ask the more. So sometimes the Lord's saying, if, if, there's, if you've got a lot, there's a little bit more required of you. You can do a bit better than that. We say it to our kids, don't they? He's, he's two and you're 12. I want a bit more from you. Yeah, but he did it as well. He's only two. I require more from you. And sometimes that's why we can't uh, judge ourselves, uh, comparing ourselves one to another. You just give your all. Just a principle. You give your all. You know, you don't compare. Um, there's an example there. Uh, 
sometimes people they sing songs and they've got these incredible voices and sometimes you kind of wonder is that song about the Lord or what is it about or is it just a song that they want to show you how good a singer they are and then another person gets up they've probably been praying about it they're shaking and they sing a song not great to listen to but you just think they did it with all their heart and they sang as unto the Lord okay Matthew 8 and verse 5 it's important as well to understand how God works and um, how he thinks uh, that can really help our faith and we're going to see that in this story here and again you, you, you see what the Lord, the Lord likes that when you sit down and you work it out and you think hang on a minute now you're God you can do this so if you did that then you would do that because you said then then that means that and it settles it in your heart you think what have I got to worry about he loves that when we work it out in our mind and we, we look at the scriptures and we settle on when we come to the answer 2 plus 2 minus 1 is equal to whatever and we think that's it he loves that that's what happened with this guy here uh, Matthew 8 verse 5 obviously truth uh, done in the light in truth facts reality and a little bit of faith uh, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying Lord my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy grievously tormented and Jesus said unto him I will come and heal him and the centurion answered and said Lord I am not uh, worthy that thou should, uh, shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Um, and this is how he worked this out. He said, no, you don't need to come. And now he's given the reason. He says, and I'll tell you why I know you don't need to come. He says, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. So he said, I've thought about this, Lord, and I'm just thinking, I've got authority, and they do, and you're also in authority. You're the son of God, so you don't need to come. You just need to speak it. And he worked that out in his own mind. He had a real think about it, and he worked it out, and he said, oh, yeah. And um, in verse 10, and Jesus heard it, he marveled. It's really impressed him, and he loves that. He, he challenges us. He wants us to realize, I suppose, how big he is and how much he's on our side, how much he's committed by sending his son to the cross. He wants us to work that out and realize that. It really helps us when we do that. You know, sometimes we can just go along, but he really wants us to sit down and kind of work it out, even in a logical way and think, well, if you said you do this and then you did do it, and then that means that, and that means that, so then... All's good. And that's what the guy did. And he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. They shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto them, and that was maybe judgment against they that rejected, I suppose, all the prophets all those years and the word of God. Verse 13, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And um, brilliant. He, he worked it out in his own mind. And he knew Jesus had this reputation. You know, what manner of man is this? The winds and the sea obey him. He knew that was Jesus Christ. 
uh, this guy can do it. And he thought, you don't need to come with me. Um, and he knew this power was given to men. Um, he was humble, even though he was in, author in, a, in an authoritative situation himself and he had a, maybe a position. He was humble. He understood how things worked. Uh, he had understanding. Folks, understanding is very important in the Lord to work out. Well, if God said he would do it, then he will. Because why would he have said that if he was going to do this? Um, as a testimony I really like, I uh, heard it a few years ago, probably heard it a few times, uh, Pastor Pete in Holland, uh, when he was really, really sick, and he said uh, one of the things he did is he kind of locked himself in a room, uh, prayer and fasting, and what he wanted to do was to find uh, a reason in the Bible where it said that God, there was a reason that God wouldn't heal him. So he went through the scriptures, and after a while, he got convinced that there was nowhere that said that God wouldn't heal him. And it was a little bit like what this guy did in a logical way, working out. And what that did was it gave him a burst of faith and realized, it doesn't say he won't heal me. I can't find it. It's all positive. And, and he praised the Lord, he got healed. And sometimes we've got to do that with our understanding. What does God want? He wants that. That impresses him. Jesus said, I'm telling you now, look at him. He, he pointed to people. In the Bible, it really impresses the Lord, and it's what he looks for. Uh, coming to the right conclusion, uh, think it out. What would Jesus do? I know it's a bit of a throwaway saying, but it's a really good one sometimes. What would Jesus do? What would I have this thing in my head when I'm kind of trying to work out what do I do, what do I do? I try to imagine if Jesus Christ was sitting on the bed beside me, here I'm in my room praying, he's sitting beside me, what would he say to me? Right, and sometimes I don't always know what what uh, he would say, but sometimes I know some of the things that he wouldn't say. And you can cross all them off your list to give yourself a clear mind. Say, so, well, he wouldn't do that. And the reason I know that is because this scripture says that. And he won't do this because I know that scripture says that. And I know it's true because he healed me neighbor, blah, blah, blah. And my testimony and so on. And he wants us to work it out with our understanding. It builds our faith. Um, Start by writing down the things that he wouldn't do. Back it up with scriptures. And before you know it, you realize there's no reason. The Lord's for me. The Lord's with me. I can read it. I can't find a reason that speaks against it. Um, I'm going to go to Luke 7 next. Somebody visited us once and um, their mum was very sick. And um, I kind of were putting it across that that's just the way it is and Kind of give us reasons why God doesn't heal some people, and I, I don't know. Just I looked at it. I just put it to them from another angle. I'm saying, so you, what you're saying then is that this is how God works. This is what you're saying by believing that, and and you know maybe he hadn't just kind of examined the scriptures and just accepted this belief um, for whatever reason. You know maybe sometimes if we are sick or we've got an issue, maybe we feel guilty about it. So then you, you kind of say, well, maybe it's because of this. Instead of just thinking, well, let's just look at the scriptures. The Lord doesn't condemn us. He wants to heal us, set us free, look after us. And I had a, a chat with the guy. I don't know if he believed or not, but I couldn't accept that kind of line on things because I just thought that just doesn't add up. And when you look at the scriptures and you, you think things through and you examine the scriptures, it, it, what it does is it adds up or it doesn't add up for you. It really helps our faith when we do that. Because sometimes we can think that the whole world is against us. And maybe even when you look at the Psalms and David saying how bad it is, but by the end of the Psalm he's saying, 
but Lord, I know you're going to look after me. And he has to he has to go through it all in his mind, and this is tough, and that's difficult. Where are you when I call for you? And he goes through it all, but the end of it he realizes, do you know what, the Lord, you're never going to let me down, are you? And, and the Lord, he likes that. He really likes that, as we saw with the centurion. Um, okay, yeah, the religious people, he struggled with them. Oh, there was a guy once that I used to hang out with, and he had a testimony. He used to have terrible headaches. He was a window washer, so he was always like that, wasn't he? Washing the windows, and he had these incredible headaches. And he said, I didn't want to go to the prayer line in case people thought there was something wrong with me. And I thought, what? And he goes, yeah, no, I didn't want to go to the prayer line because people would think there was something wrong with me. And then one day, I think he got so sick of it, he just walked up to the prayer line, had prayer, and he got healed. He'd been on for years with this migraines from looking up. And then he said, that was it. Uh, praise the Lord. Yeah, the religious people, he didn't like them. But yes, maybe to the world, this is the thing, to the world they look like they're the ones that are pleasing God, religious people. And they fool us. There's a lady, when I came to the Lord, all these people come flooding through my mind, all these people from the Catholic Church and all that were put forward when I was young as the holy ones. When I thought back about these people, I thought, they weren't holy. They were self-righteous. All they did was dirty looks. Looking around at you, and you know, there was one lady, Mrs. Carroll, that lived near the school. Oh my goodness. It's like something out of a horror movie. But she did the flowers in the church. And most people's eyes, she was amazing. But, um, yeah, the religious people, people can think that they're the ones, they're argumentative, they can be proud, they think they know it all, they definitely don't think they need God. Um, and there's a lot of things that they do that look the same. And even with us, folks, I'm just going to list out a few things that look the same, but they can be completely different. Being diligent versus striving or doing things in your own strength. They can actually look the same. Uh, being determined or self-willed. They can look the same. Uh, resting in the Lord or being slothful. They can look the same. Uh, being steadfast or being stubborn. They can look the same. Uh, the only thing that gives it all away is the fruit tells you which is which. The fruit of what, what somebody doing tells you what it, which one is which. But they can look the same. And that's where the world can get confused with what God wants, what impresses him. Um, there's a proverb that says, The blessing of the Lord, it make it rich. That means accumulate or to grow. It's not talking about money. Um, and he added no sorrow with it. I, I, this scripture, I kind of use this as a gauge with a lot of things uh, if I'm praying for things. There was one time um, I prayed for a car and it was an absolute disaster and things were going a little bit wrong at the time so I had to have a prayer and fast because just nothing seemed to be going right. And I realized that I kind of just become a little bit self-willed. And how I prayed for the car is, Lord, I'm going to buy that car, bless it. That was my prayer. And then when I look back, the Lord actually provided, and the reason I bought that car was, God, that looks cool. I want to be, but the Lord had made other provision for me, and I couldn't really afford it, and ended up in debt. And anyway, it's a long story. But sometimes, yeah, we think that what we're doing is right. I prayed about it. But it, did we? Okay, Luke 7, almost there, verse 19. So the fruit of that car, give me nothing but trouble. The fruit told its own story. It was not the blessing of the Lord, and it didn't make rich. 
and there was loads of sorrow added with it, right? So what looked like, and I could have told, I could have sold that story to anyone. I prayed about it, blah blah blah. But I'll tell you what, the fruit said, no, you didn't. You just went and did your own thing. Uh, Luke seven nineteen. I suppose the first thing uh, we're here today. First thing to remember is uh, God is on our side, irrespective of where we are in our walks or where we are in our minds or hearts. God is on our side. He's standing and he's going, right, let's go. Whatever whatever point we're at, he's on our side. Uh, Luke 7, verse 19. And John calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist had sent us unto thee, this is to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in the same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering and said to them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard, uh, how that the blind see, the lame walk, uh, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he who, whosoever shall not be offended in me. So he said, look, these are the facts, these are the principles. Tell him what you saw. He'll work it out for himself. Uh, next verse, uh, 24. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. So when they went, that's what happens, isn't it? You leave and then you start talking behind your back. No, it wasn't like that. But he started talking about John the Baptist. And he said uh, to the people, he said, What went ye out in the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Uh, did you think you were going to see someone who was tossed and fro and would just go this way today and go that way tomorrow? Is that what you thought you were going to see? He says, uh, verse 25, But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Somebody looked apart, purple gowns. He looked like the real deal. Is that what you were looking for? And he says, I'll tell you, Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? And he said, A prophet, yea, and I say unto you, much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I sent my messenger before my face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Uh, for I say unto you, Among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. Uh, he spoke very highly of John the Baptist. And I'm sure there was a lot of people at the time that would thought that John the Baptist is a madman. Um, what was the description? Jesus saw past uh, John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle around his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Jesus didn't see any of that. He said, I'm telling you something about this guy. He wasn't, he wasn't shaking like a reed. He came to do a job. And my goodness, he did it to a tee. He's, he, in principle, he did exactly what the Lord wanted him to do. He might have looked like a bit of a wild character. might have been a bit rough around the edges, but Jesus said, look at what he did. He was sent to do a job, to be the messenger before my face, uh, to make way, and that's exactly what he did. Again, he might not have looked too crash hot. Uh, he certainly maybe wasn't what the people were expecting. Maybe they were expecting a kingly type in the palace, with the raiment, with the gear, and would never eat locusts. But uh, John the Baptist, Jesus was impressed, and he said to the people, 
I'm telling you now, he's more than a prophet. Um, finishing Hebrews 11. Um, I think I might have said this before. Yeah, I did. I'll tell you a different story. There was a guy once, and uh, somebody went to the pastor, this is years ago, uh, back in the Australia days, but I think somebody had a real go at the pastor about this guy. This guy's a little bit rough around the edges, um, but in principle, was a very good guy. He was as straight as anything. Uh, he gave what he had. He was honest. He didn't beat around the bush with anybody, um, and he contributed, and he, he was trusted. He was a guy that the pastor could trust to do certain things. He could trust him. Right, and he 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 was a good guy, but because he was a little bit rough around the edges, people found found fault in him. And somebody went with these complaints and had a go, and oh, this, that, and the other, and he doesn't visit his mother as, as much as he should, and blah 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 blah. But the pastor just listed the principles, and what he, what he did is he's talking about what God's looking for in people and what people do. Sometimes we can see the camel's hair or the wild locusts or whatever. Got to look at principle. What does God want? What, does, what are the principles that he really looks for? Um, I think years ago somebody came and they shred and the person they were talking about was struggling. And I said, look, worst case scenario for any one of us, we did not reject the gospel of God. When it was put to us that God said we need to be baptized, we got baptized. When it, when it was told us we should pray to receive the Holy Spirit, we prayed to receive the Holy Spirit. And I said, whatever you think of this person, they are still here today. You know, in worst case scenario... How many people do we preach the gospel to? They won't get baptized. They will not get baptized. We did. We did. And you can count all the other things and, and think in principle um, what the Lord wants from us and what you do. It can help you as well when you ask yourself, say, when I did that, did I do it for the Lord? And it might have been correct and it might be a little bit rough. Did I do it for the Lord or what reason did I do it? If you realize, oh, you know what? I did my best for the Lord at the time. I mightn't do it again. But at that time, I did what I thought was right for the Lord. Clear conscience. Clear conscience. In principle, with your heart, you did what you thought was best. You gave your all. Hebrews 11, and the world accuses us. They might think we're a band of John the Baptists. They're mad. Oh, this, that, and your crowd, and your crowd said this, and your crowd said that, and you do this, and you do that, and you do the other. But in principle, we obey God. We do what he says. We, we are trying to please God. We're trying to please God. And God, as we've read, you see what God is pleased with. Uh, Hebrews 11, finish here. And folks, for as long until the day the Lord comes back, um, whatever decisions we have to make, our prayers, just try to please God. Just think, what, what does God want me to do? You know, what does the Lord want from me? What does he require? What does he, he loves humility. He loves mercy. He loves kindness. Read them out. You, you can see them, what he loves. And if you find that you're not able to do that, you can pray about it. Because we know God changes us, doesn't he? He changes us. He molds us. He softens our hearts. He inspires us to do something that maybe last year we thought was, oh, we could never do that. But it's, if it's the right thing to do, he can, he can mold us and inspire us to do it. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think this was read out yesterday. Uh, for by it the elders obtained good report. True faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen uh, were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel 
offered uh, unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So Abel knew what God wanted. Cain just said, I've put a lot of work into this. There you go. And God's thinking, that, that's not what I'm looking for at all. Um, by faith, it says, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. God said, that impresses me. He testified of his gifts. Maybe the other fellow thought he was a great lad, or maybe people told him, oh, what you're doing is great. But you're looking for God's uh, blessing, God's hand, God's confirmation. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. That testimony lives forever. Never die till the Lord comes back. Uh, verse 5, by faith Enoch was uh, translated that he should not see death. Um, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. I love this verse. That he pleased God. That's all it says. He pleased God. If you never did anything else in your whole life, but what you did was you pleased God. You know? He might have been the widow casting the might in, or the, or, the, or the other guy, the publican or whatever, humbling and realizing, I need you, Lord. It pleased God. Um, verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him impossible to please him um, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him um, we've got to walk in faith to please him and sometimes that means humbling ourselves working things out uh, taking the lower seat, being merciful, being kind, walking in the spirit, whatever it means. Um, I've got to walk in faith to please God. Um, with the fellowship as well, we were talking to our kids yesterday. Our kids have been brought up in the Lord, and sometimes they say things, you think, wow, that's amazing, that's unbelievable. And other times you think, there's also this danger that they could kind of become institutionalized and all the conversations, the fellowship does this and the fellowship does that and the fellowship does this and in the fellowship we do this and this is the fellowship. And you think, hang on a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about the Lord? Pleasing God, walking with God. In the world, we came, a lot of us came from the world that was black and white. That was the world. This is the Lord. And they, they grew up in this environment where they're peaceful. Uh, they're kind of under the wing and then they receive the Holy Spirit. And sometimes they don't always spot the difference. And it's so important, folks, isn't it, to put across to them, um, please God. Don't, you know, don't get clouded by just this, that, and this is what we do. Almost become institutionalized. Please God. What does God want you to do? Oh, I did it because my father said it, or I think somebody said years ago, uh, he was the pastor and he said to his kids, don't do it for me. Don't do it for me just because I'm the pastor. Do it for God. Don't, don't, don't do it for me. Do it for God. And that's what we are supposed to somehow try to get across to our kids. You know, it's for the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Do the things which are pleasing for God. What would God want you to do here? It's not about ticking the boxes. It's pleasing God. And all the people say. Amen.